2: The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
4: From
5: the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center
4: podcast feed. I'm Ken
5: and I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our episode of News and Cues. We get to talk about lots of exciting Star Wars news, tidbits, and take great questions from our listeners. I am very excited to talk about Star Wars today, Ken.
4: You know what? We keep talking about, hey, we're real fans, man. And I, I, we got some Star Wars adventures that prove that. But then, I don't know, there's something lately we've just been having so much fun. We want to thank you all for going along on the, the journey and adventure with us. Uh, the lockdown's a, a, a tough situation and, and we're here to get through it and we're here to support, uh, you know, what it takes to, to get through and get and end this pandemic. But I also have there's little positives. And just, Joseph, we've been in such a fun rhythm recording remotely that it's just it's, it's actually um, just been a lot of fun to get to it every every day, every week. And uh, just uh, thank you, sir. And also, you know, uh, let's let's not bury the lead. Uh, we're recording this, we're releasing it a day later, but we're recording this on your birthday. So happy, well, I guess in Star Wars, it's just birthday, not name day, but happy birthday,
5: sir. <laughs> well, I I thank you very much, and I am having a happy birthday and a happy name day. And honestly, uh, I have been like really uh, busy and stressed, all good things, lucky to have work, juggling a lot, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I was able to take the weekend mostly off with my wife. And then I had that little bit of like, Oh, uh, but I have stuff to do on my actual birthday. And then I was like, no, this is great. I get to talk about Star Wars on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and I am truly, like, legitimately excited to be doing this as a birthday activity.
4: Ah, uh, well, that's a great way to start the celebration. More to come, um, sure. Before we get into those news cues and more, I going to remind you all that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from, probably rising uh, for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. We always like to talk about our Star Wars and or life adventures. And we'll start with you, sir, because you're celebrating, you're playing Star Wars games, you're drinking. <laughs> oh, man, you're living good.
5: I am. I'm having a good life. Yeah, that was a really fun Star Wars adventure that I had. Uh, taking Saturday and Sunday off this weekend, I just wanted to do a collection of random fun things. Uh, a while back, I bought the Blu-ray set of the complete uh, 1960s Batman show, which my wife has never watched, so we watched a couple Episodes of that, I read some of the Poe Dameron book, uh, did a couple other, you know, little fun things, watched some Doctor Who, Uh, but then I specifically wanted to make time for Star Wars in the weekend, and I played this game called the Hoth Ice Planet Adventure Game which is a reprint recreation of an actual game from uh, the year 1980 that I did not have when I was a child. Uh, I had the Escape from Death Star game from A New Hope, but I did not have this one. Uh, So when I saw they were doing this cool reprint with a a retro Luke Skywalker action figure, I had to pick it up. It's super cheap on Amazon. It's like 15 bucks right now. And I knew going in, because I've played Escape from the Death Star, that this was probably not going to be like an award-winning board game. (laughs) <laughs> as board games go. But it was so much fun, Ken, because it was it, it's so exactly of its time. Uh, th- everything in the game is based on flicking a spinner. Uh, there is nothing that the players can do to one another or to impact one another's journeys. <laughs> so you really don't need to play with another person. You go around Hoth, and then you have these weird... Fights that are not fights uh, with Boba Fett and an at-at. And then you have to go circle Darth Vader's orbit in the middle of the board. And then you get to uh, defeat Darth Vader uh, by trying to flick to the number 13 <laughs> on the spinny board.
4: I love a good flick. Uh, that is uh, that's a classic. Yeah, I got to give that a try. I have like three copies of the Death Star game. I, I'll i have to add the Hoth one to my collection and then actually play these games. That, that's, that's fun. And, and, and definitely... If you're going to celebrate a birthday and, you know, age is a number, but it's good to go back in your mind to when you were a kid and just popping bubbles and flicking a uh, little spin. <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it's just so cool to get that window into uh, the marketing of the time. So like some of the illustrate, the illustrations are like very old school, very like, Hey, that's close enough to Boba Fett. Sure. He has a button there. Like, yeah, Darth Vader's chest unit. That's a, that's his entire chest that covers both nipples, right? It's that big. Yeah, sure. Uh, we don't have art of what Luke and Leia are going to look like yet in Empire. So it's just a picture of them from A New Hope. And then throughout, throughout the instructions, they keep calling Vader Darth. <laughs> um, that's a, it's so dated and now reads so condescending. He's like, so if you want to defeat Darth, uh, just get to his orbit. And like, yeah, it's so great.
4: You know, someone in a, in a room uh, back in the day is like, well, that Ben guy calls him Darth. That's his name. That's his name.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's just his first name, and now it just it feels so offensive. It feels like calling him Steve, right? <laughs> Chad Vader. Chad uh, Vader, yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, final video of our past, yeah. That's awesome.
5: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, if I may nerd out very quickly about the Luke Skywalker action figure, so They're they're putting out these retro figures that are actually, you know, you know, recreations for the most part of actual figures that were out back in the day. This is one that they never made. It was Luke Skywalker in Snowspeeder pilot outfit. Uh, But I didn't realize until I opened the whole box. You know how back in the day they did not have the advanced uh, lightsaber toys, you know. It was just, you know, a piece of plastic where the hilt was the same color as the blade. And in Empire Strikes Back era, it was yellow for inexplicable reasons. Just yellow. And this one came with a blue lightsaber, still that same design where the hilt and the blade are the same color, but a blue one. And that was literally a childhood dream come true. That's what we had to deal with in star Wars in the old days of what if they could make the plastic blue and they did, they made the plastic blue (laughs) back in your mind way to
4: celebrate empire and your birthday. That's awesome. Yeah. I I didn't think, yeah, you're right. It didn't make a, x-wing hoth luke i love the name of the game uh, hoth ice planet battle from the motion picture of star wars 2 the game
5: right? <laughs> exactly it makes little to no narrative sense uh, <laughs> but it's all the fun stuff from empire strikes back
4: well that's a good way to celebrate your birthday and uh you were telling me after this uh M- this this birthday and empire that that this is an actual anniversary right
5: Yeah, yeah, because I saw Empire Strikes Back on my birthday. You know, obviously it came out in May and then, um, you know, my parents uh, made me wait and made me wait. So this is my actual anniversary of seeing Empire Strikes Back, which is pretty, pretty damn amazing to think. Fast forward all these years that this is then how I would spend uh, another birthday is uh, (laughs) chatting (laughs) about Star Wars, which is great.
4: Oh, we are living the dreams of our youth. But how? Oh, man. May to August—that's a—that's a run for a kid to not be to be withheld from seeing the space movie.
5: Yeah, I've—I didn't know. I just didn't know. I, you know, I—I I, I put it together later in in adulthood, where it's like, wait, that movie came out in May. I think I wonder. It's possible that my parents lied to me because I remember like seeing the commercials and losing my mind and being so excited and seeing it in newspapers and going to get the Burger King cups and, and everything and hunting for the action figures, they might have just told me it hasn't come out yet.
4: <laughs> it's on the way.
5: It's on the way. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's such, such oh. a different time. Like, what am I going to do? Google it? No. you yeah. know.
4: Yeah. Wait for the Log review to show up in your mailbox. Uh,
5: <laughs> uh, you yeah. Yeah. But how about you? Uh, I went on for a while about my adventures on the ice planet. By the way, my wife uh, defeated Darth in one flick, one flick of the force. Uh, She defeated. Yeah. (laughs) One (laughs) flick Darth and he's down. Uh, What are your adventures? Did you do any flicking with the force?
4: Uh, You know, uh, I did not, not flick the force. Uh, We did uh, watch Revenge of the Sith uh, very late night viewing here the other night. Uh, Grace has been uh, on this journey to kind of just rewatch all the films we're not doing it in any order though, which is great. We watched Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, and now this weekend we watched Revenge of the Sith. We're just jumping around, and it's kind of wonderful. Um, but yeah, just uh, it, you forget. It, and this is the power of Star Wars, a movie movie we've both seen many times. We sat down to watch it close to eleven thirty. Uh, some t- we're we're both occasionally night owls. I, I usually start passing out by eleven, but I stay up till two. Um, and I just said that thing, I was like, well, this is kind of a long one, but all right, we'll, we'll see how far we get into it. We watched the whole thing. It's the power of star Wars. Once you're in, you're on that journey. And we, we just kind of shot through and it was just kind of fun and it was good. To, uh, um, we did that star Wars ranked about Palpatine. And so to focus a lot on, uh, Palpatine while watching this one, uh, also some good stuff. Uh, I thought, um, you know, about Yoda, uh, some things that'll pop up again in our discussion on a clone Wars report this week. Uh, Just it's fun to just kind of every once in a while go back and watch these things you're familiar with, but just focus on that one thing or focus on something specific on that viewing. Um, That was good. That was good. That was good. And, uh, uh you know, to see Grace's uh, joy, but also pain at Boga the Varactyl.
5: Uh, <laughs> I believe Boga survived. That is my headcanon. I have to believe that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know Grace is a big uh Kylo fan. Does she like the Anakin of Revenge of the Sith? Uh, given that she has a uh a fondness of uh of tortured men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't
4: know how she ended up with me, but I'm, well I'm tortured in a different way. Um yes, in fact at some point she was rooting for him. And I was like, <laughs> well, you know, there's no right way to watch Star Wars, but um well, but here's what she said. She, she actually um, she actually brought up a good point. She, said, she goes, you know, I have a lot of sympathy um, for Anakin. Um, I, I get what's happening. And I, I can understand it from a certain point of view. And I, I think it's all about choices. We had a good discussion. She, she asked, uh, you know, was Padme just always fated to die? And, uh, you know, was who put those dreams in Anakin's head and everything? And I, I don't I think there is a right answer about those dreams. Is it Palpatine? Is it the Force? Is it Anakin himself? manifestations of, of his own um, fears. I'm there for any of those discussions, right? I I, I don't remember offhand if, if the man in the flannel ever actually answered that. Um, but it was a good discussion about, no, destiny, choice. I think he could have saved Padme with some different choices. Uh, all those kind of things. So it was a good discussion around it. But also it just made me think to, to my own viewing of Revenge of the Sith back in 05. And... You and I talked about our growth as as fans, as, as, as becoming prequelists, and maybe it was uh, you know we uh, we all agree Sith was the quote best one of the prequels, right? But I remember coming out of it going, I just didn't like his turn to the dark side, happened a little too fast, which I, I do still think a little bit in the movie. But if you're tracking it, it makes sense, right? But but beyond just the moment where he falls to his knees and 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 falls, has become sort <laughs> I, I, I think back then in 2005, I was reacting to this isn't how I envisioned him becoming Darth Vader. This is this all powerful Sith Lord, the man in the black cape and the mask. And yes, he's this old guy at the end of the films. But, you know, I, you know, I wanted something else for him. And, and I just again, one of those things when you look back at uh, George's point of no, he didn't. He didn't become Darth Vader as some sort of weird, dark victory. It wasn't a, a this conquering moment of, yes, I am now Darth Vader. It was a sl- sad, um, perhaps unavoidable, and at times, I'll even say pathetic, slip and fall into this prison. And it's not at any point cool. It's not at any point not painful and sad and, and completely tragic, but also n- not strength. Anakin it does not... Um, become Darth Vader from some great point of strength. And there's a quote from Yoda in ambush, which you and I are going to be talking about on Friday on clone wars report where Yoda just straight out says, you know, you go to the dark side, you're a coward. <laughs> and I was watching ambush the day after uh, revenge. I watched revenge of Sith, and I was like, yeah, kind of. And I, again, I do have some sympathy. There's some things much like with Kylo um, it doesn't justify anything it doesn't justify the evil decisions or actions, but you could see where some of the stuff comes from. Uh, and I just thought, I still believe sores, sores being sliced down. Master Anakin, uh, there's too many of them. That is to me, the, Anakin destroying a vision of what he was a nine-year-old, uh, you know, a kid with a, a saber and a dream. I think that was him destroying his past. Um, and so anyways I just was removed by the fall of Anakin on a different level and thinking back to how it uh, it just slipped by me in 2005. So I'll take yeah. that it's a Star Wars adventure. <laughs>
5: that was a good Star Wars adventure. Absolutely. You went on an emotional roller coaster uh, through Revenge of the Sith. I think this is great the way that you are re-watching them and sharing them and sharing, you know, Grace's perspective uh, a little bit as well, because I think that's such a it, it's so great to uh, process Star Wars in the kind of detail that that you and I like to dig into on the podcast and make connections to specific episodes of Clone Wars, but then also kind of go back and uh, just really experience in it as a film and just kind of moving and flowing through it. And I, I think you're saying a ton of great stuff. I think Anakin's fall is really relatable. The reasons that he feels pressure and fear and anger are built up so well. So if you just sort of put yourself in his place and go like, well, the Jedi didn't, they were kind of cold to him and they didn't let him rescue his mother. And he has to hide that he loves someone. And the Jedi are being a little shady and like you can, really start to relate to the pressures on him. But then when you look at it from this other perspective and the perspective that I think is Lucas's morality tale is, yeah, it is. It is about who knows exactly where that vision of Padme came from. But that vision is just literally fear of the future. And he entirely gives in to fear of the future. And there's there's such a big difference between He did something awful to save Padme when she was absolutely in danger in the moment and he selflessly was willing to do anything to save her versus his personal fear of possibly losing her in the future. And he just chooses to believe that is true in all of his actions in the movie flow from he sees the fear of the future. And even though he's been trained to resist that, he just says, yes, that is what will happen. And so I'm making all my decisions based on something that isn't real. Mm. Mm,
4: yeah yeah absolutely that 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 nails kind of the the whole the whole slide the whole decision so uh, again we always talk about a destiny taking you to a point of choice what are you going to do about it
5: yeah ah, stay up late and movie. watch revenge of the sith yeah.
4: That's it. that's a good movie that's a fun movie Make, <laughs> makes you think uh so that is uh that's my star wars adventures say and my life adventures other than just surviving the heat as you were as well sir so
5: yeah, hotter, hotter where you are, though. So well done. Well done. I'm sure it was fun to watch those Mustafar scenes while uh, burning alive in the <laughs> San Fernando Valley. <laughs>
4: Hundred and seven, ninety five in our house the other day. Yikes. Wow. All right. Well, with uh, that out of the way, we are going to go into news. This is the news portion of our news and cues. And, well, this week, uh, got some fun stories. Nothing big and uh, juicy. Uh, I know there's some, uh, you know, a lot of vague tweets going on, Joseph. We, You know, Star Wars Celebration would have been next week, so it makes some sense that maybe some bigger news is coming down the line. Uh, we will cover it when we have news to
5: cover, right, Joseph? <laughs> exactly.
4: What we do have to cover right now is the third and final book in the Alphabet Squadron series it has a title and a cover. Nerdist with Amy Ratcliffe writing uh, the article had the exclusive reveal say hello to Star Wars Victories price we have on the cover will Lark looking a little bit like Christian Bale when he grows a goatee and loses 60 pounds to be in a movie um, so uh, there we go we got a little bit of a description as well Joseph what do you think about uh, well you could just start with the title number one and dive into the cover and description.
5: Uh, I truly, truly love the title. Uh, the title sounds like a really scary game show, <laughs> but also absolutely perfect uh, for what the Outfit Squadron series has been about. And what a great to just it, to, uh, to know that the whole book is called Victory's Price and know that the whole book then in theory is going to be wrestling with all these great Star Wars questions of what are you do willing to do to win? Are you still sure you're still fighting for the thing that you thought you were fighting for is the is the victory worth a consequence to know that's not just going to be uh, a chapter of ambiguous resolution at the end but that's what this book is about that's great
4: yeah i'm right there with you this is one of those hey that title says a lot and maybe says it all and where we're going to be at the end of the movie. And it's, and it's befitting of this series um, that you and I both are, are enjoying. And Alexander Fried's a great writer, even though this uh, shadow fall times was a little, you know, a little uh, uh, thick in descriptions and emotional descriptions. And, and it's uh, not always an easy read, but that does, that's good. I don't want all books to be an easy read. This just makes sense. And I want to see how uh, Fried deals with the story is over, but the pains are present and the scars are there. Like, that's uh, it's going to be some potentially really good uh, stuff uh, for Star Wars
5: yeah yeah and, and it makes me really really curious to see if there's any possibility of Alphabet Squadron kind of echoing some of the ideas in the original trilogy's resolution of is there any possibility that any of the characters will find their way to you know victory through mercy in any way or is it really like Shadow Wing's got to be put down you know and, and I think that that this uh, even this title is already kind of in conversation with the idea of how do you end a war and and keep any sense of morality is great.
4: Yeah. And some of the description, it's uh, a couple of paragraphs long. here. not going to read all of it there, but the remnants of Alphabet Squadron seek answers and closure across a galaxy whose old war scars are threatening to reopen. And I mean, we're not even at the Battle of Jakku yet. So, you know, those scars are real fresh. Uh, sword and Kies, uh has returned to the tip of shadowing spear uh, we know that and it is interesting i i think it fits in with the story and, and having you know we read these books and we know where it falls on the timeline and now to just to go into just a simple canon kind of timeline kind of thought here this fact that shadowing is no longer quote wounded prey fleeing the hunters of the new republic uh, with its leader its strength has returned uh, what, what do you think uh, do you have any action to reaction to just you know, Shadow Shadow Wing, the Shadow Squadron, kind of being this this power during an era that number one, we hadn't really heard the story before. Obviously, it's brand new. The uh, Aftermath, Empire's End, and, and the whole Wendig series doesn't really touch upon it. So we're getting this new section of canon, and they're the, they're a big power, but in their own little corner. Uh, I, I I'm okay with that, and I like that. You with that as well?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think Aftermath did a great job of setting up this idea that there are. A thousand, a million adventures from the very small of what's going on in a specific village on Tatooine to big galactic uh, consequences of let's uh, planetary, let's rescue the Wookiees from Kashyyyk um, to the setting up of the government. Like so many stories. So it feels perfectly uh, accurate that there's a lot of stories Mm -hmm. like this, uh, this specific rivalry between Alphabet Squadron and Shadow Wing. And I'm kind of hoping that. I'd be fine with the Battle of Jakku. That would be awesome. But I'm kind of hoping, since they teased it in Shadowfall, that what's going to give this higher stakes is that there's going to be something Coruscant related
4: mm, mm-hmm.
5: to yeah. the storytelling or some other really important system. But but since they talked about Coruscant and this book w- book has really been about you know the the heart of the war, uh, that that would be a great way to to tie it in.
4: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I I, I have a, a slight expectation of some of the the canon of we know in this area era tied into the story a bit not in full detail not that leia shows up and is like can i fly with you if it's a quadrant i, I, don't, I don't know i don't talk about that but just uh, tying tying a little bit closer to what we know but i love what you're saying because yeah that's what Wendig's empire uh, uh aftermath series keeps saying empire's end the aftermath series did do such a good job yeah you were, every one of those interludes told a story that just was at times completely disconnected from everything else but it still felt right and it felt good and and that helps me as a Star Wars fan that uh, loves that rebellion versus the empire and all that kind of stuff that, that there's many stories to tell and it works for Mandalorian uh, it works for the series. And uh, a good reminder for myself to not be like too caught up in, wow. Okay. Wait, wait a minute. Are we, are we going to Jakku or we, we, don't, we don't need that. It's, it's its own source, but it could have happened as well. Um, what do you think about the choice of uh, Will Lark or sometimes while wow Lark is what we'll say uh, on the cover here. Uh, I, I, this this is this seems to me not to lead you down a path here of questions and answering Joseph. but it just <laughs> seems to be the perfect kind of character to deal with the price of victory from where he's come from
5: absolutely i was thrilled that it was a uh, wild Ark on the cover uh maybe he's Will Lark. i call him wild uh i was thrilled that it was wild yeah. he's one of my favorite characters he makes perfect sense i also did just about a literal double take to my computer going that's what wild looks like
4: <laughs> there was there was some other art early. He looks he looked a little different. I think he's 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 got a little grizzled and he's grown that facial hair. It's changed. It's changed his look.
5: Yeah, yeah, and it, it, he makes perfect sense because they so set him up as the leader, right? In, in, in and perfect, perfect storytelling. I think with while of he was the person who did this out of nobility, but the person who desperately wants to go home. Thought he was gonna mm-hmm. go home. Is willing not to go home. Nobody else is really in the right place or has the right skills to step up to be the leader. So he's going to be. So uh, I think he started in my mind as so the youthful, hopeful one. So to give him (laughs) on the cover of this one where he has to be the leader, uh, what I now think of as a uh, pandemic beard, uh, because so many humans who can grow beards have. (laughs) Yeah. To just sort of externalize the, we're going through some stuff. Um, (laughs) So that while has that too, it just, it did me. I, I so pictured him as young farm boy with you know he's not literally from a farm but you know young kid with uh big hopeful eyes and and nary a facial hair to be seen so then to see him is like yeah my beard says i've seen some things while like like it both makes sense and i was surprised uh well said
4: especially about the beards there uh this comes out march 2nd 2021 which is hey just around the corner so we'll wrap up this series here which has been a a pretty interesting uh, deep uh, dark at times but a a real interesting addition to the star wars story Uh, any thoughts right now we don't know the end yet but any thoughts just alphabet squadrons uh, alphabet squadrons play some modern star wars storytelling Joseph.
5: i think it's great because i think it's a good example of how we can kind of hook into different Star Wars tales where there is so much familiar, you know, we got great characters like Harrison Dula. We have the shadow of the emperor. We have, you know, some people and places and events that we're familiar with. Uh, but then we also have the new of these really well drawn characters, these characters that you, you like, I would be happy to, it, have a travelog where we get to go home with Wildark. You know, yeah. just like I want to keep hearing more about these characters potentially because they're so great. And then the other thing that I personally love that that I just hope is something that Alphabet Squadron encourages is this is so gritty nuts and bolts, it's war, it's soldiers, it's uh, you know, the the the, the vehicles, the starships, but they still live in a galaxy that is absolutely full of the spiritual i love how much they are haunted by palpatine as a sith and how they encounter jedi temples and weird uh sith uh artifacts and and weird cults that believe in the spiritual maybe for good or maybe for ill i love that they live in the star wars galaxy that i love that can just be this is the gritty reality of war but also it is still full of uh, space wizards and the force is real you know
4: yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and the war is sometimes on the inside of your soul. And and that's where uh, the book, uh, the book series is it really succeeded and uh, has its fans and has introduced a, a very uh, just, I don't know, just compelling uh, collection of new characters. And we'll get the end of their journey, March 2nd, 2021. Speaking of, well, beginnings of journeys, which also are old uh, journeys, Get ready, my friends. Yes, you saw the story going around last week. Lego. Lego is bringing us a new holiday special. Can Ray get back to Life Day? Oh, my God. This is going to be fun. Uh, Ray, Poe, Finn, Rose, and more are invited back to Kashyyyk. Because, man, people are always getting invited back to Kashyyyk for Life Day. Uh, This story is set right after the Rise of Skywalker. Canon? Don't worry about that. No. Now, this is, this is canon of your heart. Uh, Ray sets off on a new adventure to gain more knowledge of the Force. Uh, at a Jedi temple, she's able to have adventures with all heroes and villains. It's like a world between worlds all over again. Um, are we ready for a new holiday special, Joseph? There's actually already in that description some interesting things of post-Rise of Skywalker content that, again, Not canon, not to be taken too seriously, but based on our discussion last week on Republic Reborn, I kind of went like, oh, yeah, that tracks. This all tracks. Are you ready for the holiday special?
5: I am so excited about this. Uh, No offense to any other Star Wars content. This might be the Star Wars content I am most excited for. Uh, (laughs) I just I love the tradition that Star Wars has of. Uh, having a sense of fun and whimsy about its past, even a a past as, you know, complicated as (laughs) the Star Wars holiday special and how anything that can ever even be seen as sort of like an embarrassment or something that people didn't like. There's always this attempt to, you know, reclaim it and reexamine it and, and have a spirit of fun about it. So I'm thrilled about that of just, hey, it's a holiday special dropping on Disney plus on actual November 17th, the actual anniversary of the holiday special and my actual wedding anniversary. So <laughs> oh. I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah, that's right. I got, I got married on life day. It was very peaceful. Um, uh, the Wookiee singing was beautiful in the ceremony. Um, but yeah, that I, I also just really like that Lego to me, all the Lego star Wars storytelling has the exact right tone where, uh, you know if you watch the the lego shows that they've made yeah there's things that happen in it that are not canon like you know the emperor doesn't do a little dance and shake his butt at vader when he gets mad i don't think that's canon right that but we that we know of that we know of who knows but it's all set within canon in in characters in events that you know and everything tracks timeline it's not just it's not just like throw it out all out the window the way i like to look at the lego canon is if you like that idea of an unreliable narrator, that these are stories being told to you like that, this is could maybe be a story that maybe happened, but it's being told you, you know, at a bar by someone with a great sense of humor, who's adding all these weird jokes to like events that maybe happened, but are telling you in a really, really, uh, sly comedic way.
4: Mm, mm, I love the, uh, love it. And, and, uh, Love the photos because the they've released a couple of photos. One is like it's like a bunch of Jedi, Kenobi, M C, Mace Windu. Uh, they got Sith troopers. It's just all over the place. I love that. But the photo of the Falcon, which has Chewie, Rose, uh, which is great, uh, uh, Ray and Finn all in their Rise of Skywalker outfits. Then you got Poe in a Christmas sweater, and there's a <laughs> Christmas tree on the Falcon. I think mean, I'm already there. I'm already there for this.
5: I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah, in that that uh, photo of uh Ray or the Jedi in the Sith facing off, there is a Lego that's just the top half of them all. Eh,
4: I just <laughs> saw that, yes.
5: Right. So that's that's the kind of I think just like really let's have fun with this um mm-hmm. comedy. But yeah, I'm I'm also like totally pumped to be like we just had this big episode about, you know, how much can we revisit these characters right now when the, you know, actors aren't on board and, you know, what's going to happen if we write a bunch of novels and then they get wiped from canon. Uh, But there's still that hunger for, you know, post uh, Rise of Skywalker content. So I'm I'm excited for this funny take on Life Day. But Ken, I'm also pumped. I don't care that it's a Lego. I'm pumped to see Lego deal. I'm pumped to see uh Ray's yellow lightsaber even if it's in lego form and she's cutting darth maul in half for the third time yeah i'm just thrilled to see some of this content
4: oh absolutely absolutely uh what uh what are you what are you looking forward to maybe them pulling back from the the original holiday special there's got to be some references
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, some definitely some of the characters uh, will return. I I think there's a good chance of seeing Ackmana. Uh, I think there's a good chance of uh, of seeing uh, definitely some singing. I think there's no way they're not going to let the uh, the Life Day song go. Maybe I don't know if they'll just do it or if they'll have a different take on it. But the thing I really, really hope for is uh, is Krellman, the alien who pours uh, liquor directly into the hole on top of his head.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I want some, I want some, um, Boba Fett, maybe Boba Fett and the Mandalorian Din Djarin, uh, having a, a competition over, uh, the pulse uh, rifle. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah.
5: My yes, right?
4: please. Uh, it gotta be that. I mean, doesn't have to be anything, but I, it, it'd be, it'd be just fun. Like I said, it's, uh, it's such a wink and a nod to the past. It's perfect for, you know, you're never going to pull this off live action. We know this, but it's perfect for Lego, the spirit of the games, uh, I was just uh, talking on a stream the other day, like go back. If you have never had a chance to play the original Lego Star Wars games, uh, the volume one, volume two, give it a go. They're just so fun. The Lego games are great. And though, the, though the Lego games have grown and become almost more just like regular games. The, the wit and whimsy is still present and it's, a, it's a, it just matches up perfectly with Star Wars. It Just really does. Um, maybe they could, uh, you're uh, you and Jen love the, what was the Freemaker adventures, right? Maybe we can do a little crossover with uh, those characters.
5: Yeah, I would hope so. And and that's also one of the things that makes me really excited about this, especially this idea that Rey is going to uh, discover more about Jedi and going to a temple. And I get it. She's going to a world between worlds like temple that's going to allow us to have fun with all the Star Wars characters. I get that's the point. But with the Freemaker Adventures, they did some awesome things that are there was definitely a sense of fun and whimsy. But in real Star Wars tradition, they introduced some, you know, weird canon that really had a, a little bit more of a spiritual you know, angle, not, not nothing too deep, but things that really reinforced big ideas of star Wars. You know, I, I won't, I won't go into it, uh, but you know, they, the meet, uh, he meets a creator and it's the whole Lucas riff and there's philosophy there. And I think there's real hope for like, I think there's going to be some touching, meaningful stuff in this as well.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the chance in the, in that wit and whimsy combined with the holiday spirit. I think you might have some, some, Ah, uh, moments and some fun moments as well. And hopefully, Achmena singing in the cantina. It'd be, <laughs> uh, you know, dare I say, missed opportunity if we don't. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, from there, our final story is uh, a test of courage. We get a little sneak peek uh, from the Justina Ireland book that will be coming out January 5th, uh, 2021. Uh, man, the, the lockdown's taking a toll when I think it's 2001. Woo! But it's the uh, calendar <laughs> right now. January fifth, two thousand twenty-one, and this, of course, is part of the High Republic series. Test of Courage will be one of the first ones out of the gate. We know a little bit about this. We've we've heard um, some of the stuff. Uh, we've heard Justine Ireland talk about it. Uh, newly minted teen Jedi Vernestra Rowe is in the series, and then we got now uh, uh, audacious tech kid uh, Avon Staros, who, of course, uh, will uh, you know eventually uh, have. Uh, Someone in that family line named Sonastaros that we know from the Dr. After series and more. Uh, we read a little piece of this book here, Joseph. What did you think about what we learned and read?
5: Oh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had like a great uh, pace and tone. I liked that it had some like energy and some forward movement. And there was a little bit of like force use right away, which, you know, hey, that's for me. If you got a Jedi in your story, let him use the force. So I liked that right away. We saw Vernestra uh, using the force. I also really liked uh, some of the stuff that Justina Ireland was saying about her approach to Star Wars storytelling for this uh, age level of book and just in general. And in particular, I really like the description of Vernestra. I, Vernestra is one of the Jedi that I think I've been most intrigued by of this idea of <laughs> the Doogie Hauser Jedi who made it to Jedi Knight at a surprisingly young age, uh, which is just a great entry point uh, uh, for, I think, uh, teens of all ages when you're at that age to go. Hey, I, I kind of know deep down in my soul that that I'm that I can do this, but I know that probably the world is doubting me. So I kind of need to prove myself to myself and to the world. Uh, but I also just liked your description of Vernestra as uh, a Jedi who is not too doesn't have too many problems, isn't too caught up in herself uh, and just wants to to help people and do her job <laughs> because I just I I want some of these stories to truly be what they've talked about with the High Republic of this. This is the Jedi at their best and a good person, a good steadfast character who's going through a little bit of their own personal challenge and is being challenged by, you know, this horrible external event. That sounds like just great fun to spend time with a Jedi character like that.
4: Uh, yeah well said because I really was drawn to parts of the excerpt that had uh, Vernestra kind of being like people call, call me Vern I, I don't I don't allow that I know myself I, I am pretty solid have solid footing about what I want to be but I'm excited I, I got to get there and there's things in front of me that aren't these uh, big giant uh, uh, child of destiny type of obstacles not that that couldn't happen in the, in the High Republic and not that uh, we've already know some of the High Republic characters have secrets or you know of course that's storytelling but I, I like what you're saying that this is a fully functioning Jedi Order, and so the characters have come from a from a different point. Uh, they're not hiding the, around the galaxy, right? They're not they're not uh, hiding their identity in a, in a village or uh, you know joining a a, a smuggler like Rebel crew like Kanan Jaris and Caleb Doom. Who, what, where? I don't know. It's a different <laughs> kind of journey. I'm um, excited to read that. That really jumped on out there. And uh, yeah, she. This is what Justine Ireland said. She said, I think adults tend to get bogged down and are very complex, yet somehow mundane daily lives. And one of the best things about kids' books is we're allowed to remember that life was once exciting and a vast magical mystery. Uh, she says, middle grade books are a great way to visit the galaxy, galaxy for a little while and remember why we fell in love with Star Wars in the first place. And for the kids, it's a place for them to interact with the ideas of character and struggle without the limitations imposed by icky grown-ups. No secret here, Joseph, we... We really have loved the YA, middle grade readers, um, you know, different kind of age groups. But I'm focusing here on the YA, the Claudia Gray stuff, the, the um, uh, Padme novels, the Ahsoka novel, uh, those kind of stories. Even right now, we're reading Freefall, the Poe Dameron one, which is uh, in that category as well. You and I just love these stories. And, and I think Justine Ireland kind of encapsulated why.
5: Yeah, absolutely, that sense of going back to a little bit of a point of almost uh, innocence of don't you just want to go on a big adventure? Uh, and I, it, it, it's great because it starts to me even reminding me of like what are the challenges of using the Force, of uh, believe, of quieting your mind and getting rid of all those doubts and believing that you can, you know, and to have a, a, a stories from perspective like this Jedi Vernestra like she's not, you know, a forty-eight. She doesn't know that. Yeah, there's no point in trying to get to that planet <laughs> in this amount of time because those hyperlanes are always blocked. So screw it. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like that—that that sense of not just adventure, what's out there, who am I going to be, but just that, like, you haven't had life experiences that have made you predecide how something's going to turn out, and that's just a great way to approach adventure and i think it is maybe rewarding for us even though we are not teens to reconnect to that sense of what if it doesn't mean there aren't problems but just like what if what if we look at things with a little bit more uh hope and enthusiasm
4: hey that's a great way to look at life and i think it's again it it boils down the elements of star wars to a base level and that is we always talk about George and that 12-year-old uh, that he's writing for, but it, it, it's why it works, uh, and uh, I'm excited to dive into this one. I think it will be just as essential reading as uh, the big old adult books uh, there in High Republic. Again, release date January 5th, 2021. I'm getting excited, Joseph, to dive into the High Republic world, not just the stories, but the world. And that's someplace I wasn't exactly at when the news first got launched, and, and that makes me excited for myself.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited that it's going to be all these different stories, and I'm looking forward to uh, being uh, upset that they haven't yet made action figures of these characters.
4: I was just thinking that. Oh, my God, you <laughs> and I are in the same mind. Um, <laughs> just saying that because we we know what these characters look like so clearly. That's been part of the unveiling of this series. So, hey, it's to me no different than an animated series. We can get some we can get some fun action figures down the line, maybe. But I know it's a different industry.
5: It is. It is. But still, uh, I, I need a Trandoshan Jedi action figure. <laughs> uh,
4: don't we all? Don't we all? That is us look <laughs> at the news. Before we take a quick break and get to your questions, we are going to have an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Uh, Joseph, what are we recommending this week?
5: Shockingly, we are going to recommend one of the books we keep talking about, and that is Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. We are going to be doing a discussion of that later this week, and it is very much like uh, Justina Ireland is describing. It's really got its foot on the gas. There's lots of fun Star Wars adventures, and we're looking forward to discussing it uh, between ourselves and with you, our listeners. Absolutely. And to
4: download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash 4Center for your free audio book. We are going to take a quick break, but on the other side of this break, it's all your questions here on 4Center.
5: Find out
0: how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
5: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
1: Only at SleepNumber Stores or sleepnumber.com.
4: Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Welcome back to Force Center, the news and cues episode. Take a look at all the news. Hey, that's in our rearview mirror. Now, looking ahead on the road is your questions, Joseph. We have some good ones today. We always have good ones, but we had uh, ones I had to like stop and think about and prepare myself for. <laughs> what the
5: yeah, these are some good essay questions. I would say you know we, we always get great questions, but these uh, some of these are definitely uh, big thought starters, and then have to be thought finishers in order for us to actually try to answer them. We always uh, take questions from social media and from our patrons on Patreon. So we're starting on Twitter uh, this week, and our first Twitter question comes from Rafaela, and Rafaela says, "What are your thoughts on Star Wars books being adapted to movies or animated movies for Disney Plus?" Which ones would be best for that? Oh, I get so excited about this question because I think it's such a great idea. But Ken, I want to start with you. What's just your general reaction to that idea of books being uh, translated into live action or animated movies?
4: So I do think it's a good idea, but I don't know if it's one I even want. I'll explain. What? It. Um, look, look, man. There's no denying that is it is just impossible to adapt books and movies. Successfully, I mean, uh, you can do it. It's been done. It continues to be done. But they're, they're, they're two separate things, right? And uh, yes, you can mention Song of Ice and Fire, but I'm even thinking Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is one of my big influential series, and it started as a radio play. They became a novel. And then all the way up to 2005, which I think is an underrated movie that Douglas Adams had his hand in on the first draft of that script, but it got uh, hammered. Forget the, the the general critical review stuff. But in even the fandom, it was like ah yeah yeah well, you know what, what what about this part? What about that part? Um, it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, and and uh, you know very rarely do you have one to one kind of adaptations. And I don't know if I'm ready for that in Star Wars <laughs> to have those conversations. Uh, Lost Stars was great. The, the the animated movie was great. But ah uh, there was that scene there, and I can't believe they didn't put it in. Uh, I think we're just a little gunshot But that doesn't mean I don't think it's a good idea And Lost Stars would be one of those ones Though you'd have to figure a way to shoot You know, Tarkin again Or some of those, you know, you take go down that route Animated would maybe be best for that So I I, Leia, Princess of Alderaan We've talked about that live action series Maybe it would inspire A Leia, Princess of Alderaan series Or direct animated uh, remake Put someone like Shelby Young Who I think does a great uh, Leia I'll uh, put her in, in the uh, lead in that series. I, I'd be on board for that as well. So uh, that's where it starts, Joseph. Complicated, complicated.
5: Yeah. It starts with uh, a fear of the future. <laughs> 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 a very reasonable one. I do totally get that. I have been focusing that we are being a good balance to one another on, on this episode. I was, I'm so focused on the joy of the the adaptations being well-received By the community that I'm just thinking of how great it would be to get some of these stories that are in the books in particular out to people who uh, don't read books for whatever reason or don't listen to books. That's just not a part of their fandom or they don't have time in their life for that. But they can sit down and watch, you know, a 90 minute, uh, two hour animated movie on Disney Plus. And I'm thinking so much about like how great would it be to expand some of this canon that lives right now in the books and have more fans receive it but I hadn't uh, had the caution to think of it the way that you are as we, we don't need another thing for fans to be, uh, be cranky about. Yeah. In yeah, this it, over. yeah, And that's not the right, not right. Not the right outlook.
4: I would love any one of these, but yeah, that's where my mind goes.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's a really good thought too of uh, I, I still lean towards, I want to hang on to the, uh, the hope in the enthusiasm of sharing it, uh, mm-hmm. sharing some of these stories with uh, other fans. Uh, but I think you bring up a really good point about, they do have to be really good adaptations of the novels because they are different, uh, different mediums. Uh, I think part of my excitement for this comes from uh, this is such a successful thing for DC. DC regularly puts out individual animated movies that, that are adaptations of famous comic book runs. And, yep, I mean, comic books are, they're not locked into canon, right? And these movies are definitely adaptations. They add things, and they subtract things, and sometimes they change the tone and all that. Uh, but it's such a proven uh, thing that that fans like of, yeah, if we like a story in one medium, we would love it translated to another. Now, with Star Wars, you do have to be careful of that, because you can really quickly get into that canon debate if you make a great adaptation of the novel, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, but there are additional scenes would be fine, but if they change anything or compress anything, then you do get people, you know, bickering over which one is more accurate canon. But I say, you know what? That's fine. I will take that in order to share these uh, more widely. I also think it's a slim possibility that it's something that could already be in the works because right now, when we're still dealing with unknowns with, uh, with shooting live things, animation is a thing that can and has continued. So, I'd be really curious to see if this is an idea that is being floated. Um, so I think in the big picture, I think mm-hmm. it's a really, really good idea. And the thing that when I think of novels that I want, I think of novels that I think already in their pacing and structure lend themselves to being a movie. Um, like right. for example, I love Queen's Shadow, but uh, but there's a lot in Queen's Shadow in particular that's very internal to the characters' yeah. minds and. Uh, there definitely is some moments of conflict, but it's not a, hey, there's a blaster fight, you know, every 20 pages. Yeah. But other novels like Leia, Princess of Alderaan moves pretty fast and she goes from place to place and there's a tense din- dinner scene, but then there'll be, you know, a yeah. little bit of action. Uh, so I think some books uh, lend themselves to adaptations better. And the other books that I gravitate toward are the ones that uh, those of us who are uh, totally into the world of literature in Star Wars, uh, that there are bits of canon from them that really inform how we think and talk about Star Wars. And I would love for those to be shared more.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I don't want to sound like I was against this idea. Um, I just think I'm thinking of Siege of Mandalore, what we just went through. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible, but like, EK Johnson's book, right? Or is the show right? And you know the battle, but I think what you're saying, just the spirit of getting it, uh, getting it out there, getting these books, which we love into into the world and pulling people into them. uh, It'd be a fair trade off, you know, again, something that inspires a series uh, that allows you to go in different directions. Again, going to Leia, Princess of Alderaan, where you wouldn't have to follow the book. You can maybe come out of the book into other uh, new storytelling would be good. But, you know, I'm thinking of, Alphabet Squadron. Uh, you know, when that series is all wrapped up and done, uh, people seeing those characters on screen and imagining them and getting inside their heads and still having the big pew 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 and the conflict work work for me as well. Um, but you know what? You know what? I, I just had this kind of thought, Joseph. You know what? One I would like to see, which be be completely different, uh, but it would uh, connect to things we we uh, know and love. Uh, the Phasma novel. Give me a one-off movie based off that novel.
5: Oh, I like that a lot. Because, yeah, I would love to see more Phasma storytelling. And I forgot to say, in fact, on our uh, Republic Reborn episode that we did, uh, I in my head canon, Phasma survived. And I want more stories with <laughs> Phasma in the future, too. But, um, yeah, I like that. I think my number one for this, if they were going to make in, I think the live action gets a, a little bit more complicated. So I'm more excited for the animated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lost Stars makes so much sense to me. Because you have the thrill of, oh, there's going to be recognizable ships and moments. But the world building in that is great. And those characters uh, are so, so clearly affected people. And it's kind of, it's different for Star Wars. It's, it's got a little bit more of that romance focus uh, that I think Lost Stars would be a great, great first adaptation.
4: I think a lot of people would agree.
5: Yeah, uh, a couple other for me that I'd be excited about because I think they would translate well and or have some like great juicy canon that I want the rest of the world to know is Leia Princess of Alderaan. Uh, Bloodline. Bloodline in particular. For the kind of people who are like, I like Star Wars and I watch movies and maybe I watch, oh, Mandalorian's pretty short. I'll watch that television show, but I'm not so all in that I'm going to read a book. Uh, Bloodline, a, an animated two-hour movie, movie of Bloodline, would help so many people who struggle with what is the political situation of the sequel trilogy. Just sitting down to watch that and going, oh, oh, and they sent Ben Solo away and they didn't tell him his grandfather was Vader. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I think there's so many bits of canon in there that kind of unlock the sequel trilogy in a great way.
4: Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Finally give people some of those answers.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the Rebel Rising Gen... Story I really love, and I I think at adapting some comic runs as well. Rise of Kylo Ren jumps out. uh, Parts of Charles sewell's Vader run, the you know the building of the castle on Mustafar, all sorts of great stuff that I would just like more people to get a chance to experience.
4: Yeah, the comic stuff is uh, is good as well. And look, uh, aftermath the aftermath series, you have a lot of new characters that you wouldn't have to rely on on. Uh, Recast if you're doing live action recasting too much stuff. Uh, Han with a beard comes to mind. You maybe have to throw Alden in a beard. I don't know, but um, <laughs> yeah, animated you wouldn't have to. But in terms of live action, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in aftermath that I wouldn't mind seeing on the big screen, including Therapy Ewoks.
5: Oh yeah, you know what? I think I changed my mind on everything. I just want a Disney Plus animated movie called Therapy Ewoks. <laughs> That'd be great. Brand new canon. Uh, moving on to our next question from Nick Field. Now, this is interesting because uh, Nick is a regular uh, contributor and has always has great thoughts, um, helps us keep an eye on when Iger Khan is going to pop up. Uh, but this is has great rhythm with what we were talking about earlier about the perspective of the younger reader novels. So Nick Field says, should Star Wars ever produce an R-rated movie or TV MA show? While the franchise has has traditionally been kid-friendly, that can put a limit on what you can explore in a storytelling sense. For argument's sake, put Disney in the question of would this ever happen aside. I like that. Nick is a nice, practical (laughs) question asker. So we're not going to discuss, are they going to do this? Are they going to put it on Hulu? Is there going to be Star Wars After Dark? We're just going to talk about the idea (laughs) of it, Ken. Uh, What do you think of the idea of it? Do you want... Uh, at some point where would you be interested if it existed r-rated star wars
4: would i be interested yes there's a part of me that gets the desire to see that I uh, and look revenge of the sith pretty dark i was uh at the cinerama dome seeing it in 2005 in front of and i, I know i've told the story before but it, me and my friend um joel were sitting in front of a group of uh, like two moms and their kids, right? It was like a kids' day out. We saw like a matinee showing. And they were screaming and crying when Palpatine is, is being burnt and unlimited power, that whole secret. And it was not a good, it was not a good screaming and crying. It was these seven-year-olds will now have that. They're probably right now talking about it. Oh God, I still have nightmares, you know. Um, and they're in their 20s. So I I still, yeah, we we could get on. We get on the, the, you know, George's intentions and this and that. I, you know, if we say that wrong, it comes off as too much of a high horse. I understand the desire and need for this. I love Nolan's Batman stuff because it is uh, realistic and dark and gritty. That's kind of where I think a lot of it, that started in modern pop culture. Uh, it uh, Watchmen, not the, not the series, not the movie, the graphic novel. I go back there. The, uh, look at this, is comic book. Oh, it's a little bit different. Um, all that kind of stuff. It definitely... Works. uh It definitely can work, and I, I I think you could still get the same spirit and storytelling. I'm personally not over interested in it, but I fall for that. I'm I think going into Last Jedi, i you know, I wasn't super familiar with Ryan Johnson uh, when he got announced. A lot of my friends were, and they were excited because oh, he did Breaking Bad, oh, Looper. We're gonna get dark, gritty Star Wars, and they carried that desire all the way into the screening and out of it, and they're still disappointed. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, It's a great question, Nick. I, I, I I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes.
5: No, I mean, your, your story of the, uh, unlimited weeping, uh, from kids who. It was uh, so
4: bad, man. It was (laughs) so bad. It wasn't like, uh, it it was like.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Totally understandable. Right. I mean, especially, yeah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I'm imagining them now, just like microwaving cheese and it bubbling and going. Oh God! It's like Palpatine's face. Remember the drama? Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. Look,
5: um, I'm, I'm still afraid of large Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure because <laughs> it freaked me out. I, I I get scared so
4: easily. I can only understand. Can only those kids? Probably they're, again. They're in their like twenties now. Watching this, like, oh God! I got to I got to turn my head away when Palpatine gets burnt by Mace's. Yeah. The Lightsaber reflecting the, the lightning.
5: Absolutely totally understandable. Um. Yeah, and I I remember uh, my mom discussing with another mother uh, about Empire Strikes Back of yeah well there's I guess there's a Wampa thing that pops up and that's scary, <laughs> yep. uh, so it's a long tradition of this. Yeah, I have so many thoughts about this. The I, I totally understand the desire for it, uh, and then I have kind of these these concerns of. Uh, I agree with you of not wanting to be on a high horse of like, it, it can never evolve. It can never change. But mm-hmm. this idea that it is for kids of all ages is, you know, important. And I remember there was uh when my brother's kids were younger, they, they loved Dr. Who and kind of earlier on in, in Dr. Who's reboot in the late 20 uh, teens or mid two thousands, basically mid two thousands, late two thousands. Um, there was the main show of Doctor Who, and then they did a spin-off of the Sarah Jane Adventures that was pitched a little bit younger. Mm. And then they de- basically did do kind of Doctor Who after dark. They did this uh, group of investigators called Torchwood. Um, and I have friends who jokingly call it Touchwood because it's like real sexy Doctor Who. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my, I remember my brother saying, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer to be able to tell my kids, yeah, there are three Doctor Who shows and I can't quite articulate why but you can't watch the third one um and i think about that a lot of like you know in in, in you know i've talked to parents who've like yeah my my kid loved the phantom menace uh, loved attack the clones my kid's not ready for revenge of the sith i need to wait because that one is intense um so i just think about that a little bit of like well what is that what is that what happens when a kid knows there's some star wars that they can't watch for a while you know and right you know, different kids uh, you know, can handle things at different ages. And obviously parents and mentors and guardians are very good at assessing when that is. So, uh, so I don't, for me, it's not a deal breaker, but it's a thing to think about. Yeah. The thing, the big thing for me is thinking of what would one get out of an R rated star Wars that you don't already get. And, and, I think, you know, a lot of people might have different answers for this. But for myself, just totally subjectively, I get that maybe you could if you wanted to go more horror, you could make it more truly frightening. You know, and if you, there was ever a movie like the kind that you and I have talked about of, you know, some uh, Jedi Padawans accidentally trapped in a horrible Sith temple and it's just a haunted house nightmare. <laughs> and yeah. Great. I can get if that was R-rated, you could go really, really uh all in on the horror and when you know some of the Sith spirits would get uh the, some of those Padawans there could there could be some gore so so I get that. Uh but then that said yeah. w- with violence we get a lot of violence in Star Wars. It's implied, but man, especially like the Clone Wars, that is just the Clone Wars is endless, pretty straightforward slaughter of clones. Constant. Yeah. Um and then you get into swearing Mm-hmm. and I personally don't want the F-bomb to exist in, <laughs> in Star Wars. I'd be fine with a ship called the F-wing, uh, but I don't, I, I don't want to hear earth swearing in Star Wars. Uh, I'm happy with Carabast. I'm happy to think move milkers, like a really filthy thing that Han said. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. And, and we've also kind of had it with modern Star Trek um, where there's, a, they swear. And it, it, for me, it's like, Cool but it doesn't I I don't need it Uh, I don't have any problem with it but it uh, I don't know what's added Uh, and then I guess the next level is just uh, more adult uh, views and discussions on uh, on sexual situations which Mm. uh, again that's a place that if you want those things in Star Wars the books go there there are several books that are make it you know they're not graphic but they make it there's no ambiguity that these two characters uh, had adult relations you know so, I yeah, just, just kind of working through what would be there for an R-rated movie, I think the only thing that I'm intrigued by for myself is something that can go all in on the horror. What do you think about that, about what's actually available in an R-rated film that isn't available in PG-13?
4: I think it's an excellent point because I don't think anything new would be available in terms of Star Wars uh that that and that's where i get held up on it again it's not the violence you know it's not let's not uh, overlooked that violence is not only present in Star Wars Star Wars but often gets um even in even movies, you know, we're going on a big campaign for the ratings thing. I, I love, you know, I, I love Take It. I love Young Guns. I love a good uh, violent movie just like the rest. Yeah. All right. But, you know, it's like those sometimes we just go like, yeah, cool. The violence. Dear God, two people were kissing. Give it an off. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's, uh, you know, I don't, so Star Wars has the violence. Um, but I don't think. And this, I don't know if this is the spirit of Nick's question, because it's a, a clearly a great question. It's got you and I thinking, Joseph. But I think sometimes those, this is very personal to me, but those in my life who I do hear this a lot, oh, I wish, star, I wish we got an adult Star Wars. They're really just hung up on the surface of that. I'm not saying anyone out there who would want an R- R-rated Star Wars or TV, TVMA Star Wars. Is that, please hear me, please understand me. It's personal to some people in my life who are just like, yeah, I'd love that. But they stop there. And they're not getting themes, whether it's a Lego holiday special or Phantom Menace or Return of the Jedi. They are more concerned about, man, Luke is up there hacking the blade. He threw the blade away. Yeah, but he was hacking that blade on Vader. And that's just something I see a lot by those folks. Again, I am not saying that's everyone. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that I don't want to see some of this a little bit, it doesn't have to be sex, but it could be, uh, you know, uh, go the, the, the cabin door closes on the Falcon, you know, like <laughs> right before music starts to play, uh, Chewy, uh, go take a walk, uh, lay I got a meeting to have here. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, okay. I'm not going to say I, I, there isn't a part of me that o- over 40 years of Star Wars hasn't thought about. Oh, it'd be fun if, you know, Mandalorian and we thought might've been a little, you know, dark and it was, and it was. It might be the closest to it, but then it has the cutest thing in Star Wars in it that appeals to kids. So, anyways, I'm going down a weird path, Joseph. But yeah, that's the thing. I don't, I just, I don't think it would add anything. It is like yeah. you and I are, are, are comedians, but students of comedy. Sometimes a well placed uh, curse word is perfection for a joke. But A lot of times, it's just fluff and adds nothing. It hides the lack of content and depth to to a joke. And a good joke has depth. So. That's kind of where my mind comes to uh comes down on it.
5: Maybe yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- th- those are great thoughts and now I'm maybe convinced that I do want to see some scene on the Falcon where the sabak dice are hanging <laughs> on the door and Chewy knows. Uh yeah. I'm sure other people could come.
4: <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've heard in a while: <laughs> the dice are on the door. You keep on walking.
5: <laughs> you just go co-pilot for a while. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess the other thing that I, that I could see with violence is: look, the the violence is there. The the, the death count of just the Skywalker saga is astronomical. You know, when we talk about the violence of, you know, the Death Star, of all those uh, those uh, Sith Eternal on that whole Sith fleet. Uh, we got Anakin igniting his blade in a room full of children. All of the main characters die in Rogue One. There's no shying away from violence in Star Wars, but I can see that maybe Star Wars chooses not to focus on it. So I, I, I could also see, like, would something get an R rating if Somebody wanted to make a Star Wars, you know, movie that was, you know, the trial of the Imperials, you know, and it wanted to go into the like, here are all the people you slaughtered and we're going to really focus on it and and really spend time looking at it and thinking about it instead of going, yep, it happened. Mm. You can have discussions about it, but a kid can just watch it and go, oh, yeah, I'll have a conversation with my parents about that later. I can see, I guess, if if something was going to be R-rated because... An examination of violence was the point and it wasn't necessarily about cool look at that, all the blood that spurted when helping <laughs> ripped that guy's head off but it was more about like let's talk about the real you know uh, consequences yeah. of violence some of the stuff that happens in the books
4: it's settled we want t- to Disney plus Star Wars when the Millennium Falcons rockin don't bother <laughs> <No>.
5: uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. That's great. Oh,
4: right. Yeah, great question, Nick.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. Great, great thought starter. And uh, and as always, Ken and I are talking through our subjective opinions, and I'm sure other people have some different takes on what would or would not make a R-rated Star Wars movie worthwhile. We're going to move on to some questions from Patreon. Uh, we're going to start actually with a question from. Evan Osborne Lomax. Uh, Evan says, do you want to see former rebel spy Enib Ray return in a story in the near future? Ray is one of the few people in the galaxy who knows the truth about Palpatine. And he found out the hard way at the tips of Papa Palp's Zappy fingers. He was then defeated by Leia who refused to execute prisoners and compromise her morality. We last saw him escaping rebel capture in star Wars 19 way back in May of 2016. So what stories would we like to see from the man who is at war with both the rebels and the empire Uh, for anybody who has not uh, been reading these? This is the star Wars mainline or the, what was the mainline of star Wars comic uh, dealing with this uh, rebel spy who discovers the truth of Palpatine. And then uh, I believe has the viewpoint that the rebels are not fighting the war to win, that they're being too soft. Uh, Ken do you like enebray what are your thoughts on him possibly returning
4: when he he returns in that sunspot prison arc this is the one actually we just heard uh, another perspective on it in the afra radio uh radio drama audio drama he's there um he's an interesting character when he popped back up I did a little bit of uh a, oh yeah the guy oh okay because he was in the first appeared in the Star Wars annual number one like Evan was hinting at here it's it's an interesting perspective and one you could go into. It takes t- takes me down that Sagharera path, or you know how 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 do you win? And that's the big uh, morals uh, at, at stake. And that's and that's where I think obviously you know, we know where Leia came down on. So yeah, I think it would work too because he does escape. So yeah, you bring him on back here between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And what does that kind of character do or think? After the fall of the empire, when the rebellion wins, and becomes a new republic, is, is he fine with that? Is he OK with that? Uh, and what's his reaction and who's he working for or working against during that time period? So there's interesting, interesting, interesting things to have have in, the, in this kind of uh, conflicted uh, f- character.
5: Yeah, yeah, I like this character, and I really like this, the all of the things that he represents, that he's, you know, he gets horribly injured after, you know, Leia sends him on this dangerous uh, mission, and it, it you know, the dark side kind of pollutes him, where he thinks that kill them all, kill them all is the uh, answer, and I'm definitely interested in that, what you're talking about, Ken, the sort of the, the uh, another look at this Saw Gerrera-type figure, and is he going around trying to... You know, just do horrible violence against the empire and do things that the rebellion is not willing to do. That part of it's interesting to me. But the thing that's most interesting to me is, as Evan is talking about, that Enibray knows the truth about Palpatine. And I love the uh, continuation of this story that in this era, you know, Palpatine's really doing propaganda about hiding the whole Sith thing from the galaxy. So I love the idea of, I would love a story of Enibray, like, trying to hijack broadcasts and, like, trying to basically, you know, fight back against the propaganda and just get the word out <laughs> to the galaxy of, like, he's uh, this horrible Sith. Lightning comes out of his fingers. Because I think at this point in the galaxy, people are like, yeah, no, we what? what are you talking about? That's not real. That's not true. And, like, I could see, like, this great story of him almost getting the message out maybe convincing a few people here and there, but, you know, set up to make the big broadcast and he is hunted down by the sinister agents of the empire before he can get the truth out.
4: I like that. Ooh, I like that. Let me tell you about Palpy. <laughs>
5: That's right. I basically, yeah, I just, I want to see his, uh, his propaganda video that he made to, to share the truth of Palpatine, Yeah,
4: yeah. the
5: real face, the real melty cheese face of the emperor is coming mm-hmm. at you. From Ina Bray. Uh, We're going to close out our questions with a nice juicy one from Alden Diaz. Uh, here's what Alden has to say. Uh, it's always with a lot of our great listeners. It's a little bit of a an essay as well as a question, which we welcome and are excited by. So here we go. Hey, guys. Hope all is well in this seemingly never-ending quarantine era. My question is regarding the reappraisal and recontextualization of dialogue in the Star Wars mythos. What got my brain going on this topic was a friendly and thoughtful Twitter exchange I had recently about the line, Do or do not, there is no try. It's an iconic gem in our pop culture, and even non-Star Wars fans know it quite well. But should we look back on what Yoda was saying there and change up our interpretations based on the added context of the canon stories we've had since? Personally, I think that it's way looser and more amorphous as a statement now that we've seen so many other Jedi Masters and lead characters adding depth to what heroism is to what struggles are, to what training is like, etc. I wouldn't be so quick to share it on a shirt or a motivational poster these days. And maybe you have other lines of dialogue that you think need to be put back on the table, reappraised, reanalyzed, re-romanticized, etc. What takeaways have you found in them as time has passed? Let me know what you think. Alden, that is a great uh, thought starter and a thing that I think we've discussed a little bit. But Ken, I want to dive into this. Do or do not. There is no try. For you, has that line aged well what, what did it mean to you in the past and what does it mean to you now
4: i think it's aged well because we can really dive into yoda's teachings because let's not forget when we really kind of meet up with him again as a as a as a fandom yes i, I know return of the jedi clone wars all that kind of stuff but in the story in the timeline last jedi he's there to remind you it's it's uh it's failure it's a great teacher right folly past that's that's what this is about so that to me goes against what the public interpretation of do or do not there is no try has been uh, become over the years which is something that i could be guilty of not, not guilty it, it's just it, on the surface it's a real good pick up your uh you know pick up yourself off the ground and get to it and and you either do do, do it or you don't and that's it, and succeed or failure, and and, and win or lose, that kind of thing, and I'm there for a lot of the lessons in those moments there, too, but I don't know, Look, going back, you see even in that scene, right? Uh, He's he's trying to lift the X-wing out. Luke, you know, doesn't believe it. That is why you fail. Uh, It, 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 to me, is it definitely has taken on a new meaning, and it's deeper in just what Alden's talking about in the Star Wars story. I also think sometimes it's just a line can slip out of the movie and slip out of the context and just becomes universal, like Alden's saying as well. This is this is on a, a poster. This is on a desk. This is on a bumper sticker. And it's it has some meaning there. It has some meaning on the surface. But if you really dive into the, in, into what Yoda is always always teaching, uh, yeah, it has different meanings. And, and, and it was always meant to grow.
5: Yeah. Well, I really like that idea that it has meaning that we can analyze in the context of that scene, in the context of Yo- what Yoda believes before then, what he believes after then. But I also really like what you're saying about it. It's one thing for what it means in the movie. It's another thing that it has become a well-known and popular phrase that people use, uh, you know, to coach sports or to pump themselves up for an audition, to get into a ballet school of just like, maybe it has been sort of recontextualized out of its meaning in the movie to just being used as a, you know, there's no such thing as failure, you know, yeah. or, you know, you know, failure is, you know, not an option, uh, kind of statement. Oh. Um, and I think that's interesting to consider, you know, was that ever the, even the intent, uh, that it be used so much as the, like, you know, if you think you're going to be a loser, you're going to be a loser. So just go out there and win. Like it can really tip into that aggressive, uh, you know, there's no middle ground. There's no such thing as failure. It's just, you know, you you didn't, you, you weren't thinking good and you, until you failed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really like it from the context in the film that this is not necessarily wisdom for all time. This is wisdom for Luke right then. That's what Luke needed to hear because Luke's doubt in his ability to see the force in a larger way, um, was what was holding him back. And, and it's you know a direct response like, all right, I'll try. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I like looking at it as that's wisdom that Yoda was giving Luke right then because that's what Luke needed to hear because that's what was blocking Luke from moving forward is if he didn't believe that he could access this the force in that way, if he didn't believe the force worked that way, then he was never going to be able to do it and that he was holding himself back. And this is advice to not hold yourself back by yeah. pre-deciding that you can't do it.
4: Uh, that, that, yeah, that's the crux of me. I'm just trying to think of like a real world example if I was to tell myself this, right? Thinking of some of, I don't know, you said auditions, that comes to mind. or uh, I remember the first time I was walking into my very first Groundlings class. And this is the reason I moved to LA was to study sketching and comedy. And I was intimidated. And something like this could come in where it's like, you know, this is either gonna take me one way or another. That's not what is important. Um uh, what's important is that I am here and I, I believe I'm to be here. I believe this is where my journey goes from here. Uh pass or fail, succeed or fail, fail is not the the, the, the story. It's the mindset and 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 stinking thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just been like you need to check up from the neck up and just throwing some Stuart Smalley Al Franken quotes out from FNL. <laughs> But it's the same type of thing, you know, so that that it's and it's very easy just to very, look, very much look on the surface because it's it's the lifting of the X-Wing around that part of the story. And Luke didn't do it, but it's like it wasn't even about that. It was about that mindset, like you said. And 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 that's where it works for me. And again, probably where it always was. That's why I say it was probably meant to to grow, um, but it caught on. It's just so simple. It's so popular for for a reason. Uh, and and yeah it's just about the mindset
5: yeah and and i I agree with you i I've really interpreted Yoda's uh, teachings to Luke in the last Jedi as a kind of a direct relationship with do or do not there there is no try to me there's so much of the spirit of what Yoda was trying to get through to Luke when he was younger of that you you're always staring off into the horizon, your mind is never on where you are, you know this is not about excitement and adventure, you have to have a serious mind. What makes a Jedi is you know, being very serious, having an absolute mastery of the force and never failing. You know, don't ever believe that you'll fail or you'll fail. So just, you know, be strong, be wise, be masterful. And I feel like Luke, that's one of the, the, the beautiful things of that scene to me is that Luke is trying to live up to all those things. And then Yoda appears to be like, sorry, my bad. I, I, I encouraged you to value those attributes and, and you've done them admirably. But these other things matter, too. And it feels a little bit to me like Yoda saying, I feel like maybe like Yoda is saying to Luke, I feel like you put do or do not. There is no try on your bedroom wall, Luke, as a motivational poster Right. and you took it a little bit out of context yourself. So let me recontextualize it for you. Of course, sometimes we try and we fail and we can learn from things, those things too. And that's valuable as well. Yeah. Yep. Careful what you put on your walls, kids. <laughs> Watch those motivational posters. Uh, to the second part of Alden's question, are there other lines in Star Wars that you think are worth revisiting, either because they've been taken out of context in a uh, larger society or because their meanings have changed for you or, or just uh, y- your great interpretation of the these lines and these ideas are meant to grow, that they have, they've grown in some uh, way that isn't uh, ideal to you? Or, you know, have you reexamined other lines like this?
4: Well, I think uh, there's a it's a great need for a lot of people to reanalyze kill the past. Uh, uh, You know, uh, that that one has (laughs) been, I don't know, not taken correctly, but let's not go down that route. (laughs) Uh, You know, for me, though, it's the same, same, um, same movie. Uh, No one has ever really gone is one that um, I don't wrestle with, but I go back to a lot and I was rewatching Last Jedi and just you know, I had some thoughts, still have some thoughts on, you know, the idea of Kylo Ren, is he going to be redeemed? And it's like, well, it seems like, seems like Luke and Leia in that scene, you know, Luke's there to not there to confront him, not there to turn him. He's there to, you know, strike him down in some way. That's what he kind of gets the impression. And Leia's like, you know, I know my son is gone. Well, no one is ever, ever really gone. I've always wrestled with what that, what that means to those two characters in that moment. You know, and then it comes comes back to play. And you know, for me now, I look at it and be like Luke's saying, "I'm not here to change him because that's not my path. That's not what I can do or need to do in this moment. It's not going to be me." And Leia has a little bit of, um, I don't know, maybe a little, little bit of doubt, uh, and that's where Luke reminds her. So, anyways, I play with that one, and, I, and the way I take that line. Sometimes changes and, and definitely after Rise of Skywalker now has the context of the story. Um, so and and goes back to, you know, Ray had some a right, a right line of thinking. It just was how she got there, how she was going to get there um, might have been in, in doubt. So anyways, that that one jumps to mind.
5: Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, and I, I love interpreting it as, uh, you know, Luke can't save him because Luke is one of the people that Kylo blames, but the no one's ever really gone is like is Luke saying there's still hope for Ben Solo, but also it has this richness of Luke having this understanding that, He's going to be haunted by what he did to his father and the memory of Han is going to is never going to be gone. And the memory of Han is going to affect him. And it even falls through to Luke saying, you know, if you strike me down in anger, I'll be with you always, just like your father. And it's one of the one of the places thematically where I feel like uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker connect just absolutely beautifully. So I think that's a great line to reexamine. Um for myself going back to Empire Strikes Back because I feel like The Last Jedi is really in conversation with Empire in particular you know Han's great line it is a great uh, scruffy uh, rebellious action hero line of never tell me the odds it's one of my favorite lines I always like it and it's it's some of the fun adventure serial side of Star Wars of this idea of it almost works a little bit with like do, do not there's no tribe just like if I don't think about how scary it is I'll be able to do it Right but it also has this reckless side. So I feel like, I feel like Poe's storyline is almost in conversation with never tell me the odds of saying, Mm -hmm. never tell me the odds is a great thought and sometimes that does work. Uh, But also there's sometimes where it's irresponsible to not know the odds and it's irresponsible to uh, be just incredibly reckless. Uh, So I, I like, I don't dislike that line or think that it's wrong or should be corrected. I just like that last Jedi adds another perspective to that Mm -hmm. conversation of like, actually sometimes, whoops, I should have known the odds. Right.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: Mm -hmm. It can get you in trouble, but yeah. Yeah.
5: Final one for me uh, quickly is the conversation, the short conversation between uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan that locks in Obi-Wan's decision that he has to uh, strike Anakin down, or at least attempt to in Revenge of the Sith of uh, Anakin paraphrasing, you know, saying, you know, if you're not uh, with me, then you're my enemy uh and obi-wan respond responding only is sith deal and absolutes and you know uh, a lot of people had fun with that uh, i almost bought a t-shirt that my friend made of you know sith absolute vodka <laughs> loved it <laughs> uh, <laughs> great jokes to be had uh people have pointed out that uh well actually obi-wan that is an absolute uh right. and for me just the importance of the idea it, it, functionally in the film it is this moment where it locks into obi-wan we're like hey i have any hope that you're going to have a different perspective that's a moment like okay that really locks in you're not going to have a different perspective but the power of that idea in star wars that the jedi you know have made mistakes in the prequel era and that's partially because they are locking in on one particular view and and it is very difficult to keep your mind open and look at lots of different views and i think that's what's really admirable about the jedi perspective of Let's try to not have absolutes. Let's try to say we really believe this, but then on the other hand, maybe this, which kind of goes to our conversation of sometimes you need do or do not, there is no try. In other situations, you need failure is the greatest teacher. Let's not be absolute about it. There's not one piece of advice for every moment in your life, which to me is a, a great example of the Jedi perspective of being open to many viewpoints. That's uh, that's really good. But then, you know, when people have the criticism that, well, it'll be one is an absolute. That reminds me of a phrase that I believe in in real life of the only thing you, you can't uh, tolerate is intolerance. And that, so to me, sums up the Jedi's relationship to the dark side and to the Sith of, well, we want to, uh, to agree with every perspective, but this perspective of the Sith dark side, that's the Sith dark side's perspective of we should have power over everything. We should control everything. We should kill whoever we want the Jedi are like, that's the one viewpoint that we can't agree with because it will snuff out all other viewpoints. And for for an exchange of lines that was very timely uh, because it was referencing some things that were literally being said by world leaders at the time and for something that's been you know made fun of, I just think there are so many interesting Star Wars philosophical ideas packed into those lines.
4: All wrapped up in a nice little lightsaber fight.
5: yep yep and uh them were literally fighting words (laughs) yeah you can enjoy that
4: sequence on many levels you choose
5: where you want to go exactly exactly so great question alden great uh thought starter and i hope uh, that we finished most of our thoughts uh ken you have any other final thoughts on that question
4: no just uh i enjoy this is probably why i enjoy going back to these stories and movies and, and, and even books, and I'm looking forward to having the time one day to go back into some of the books again, but we watch them over and over again, and I love when you pick something up new or you connect with something different that maybe was always there, but now you're focused on it because of where your life is, and that just helps do what um, what uh, Alden says, to have these lines reappraised, reanalyzed, and I love this, re-romanticized, because you can fall in love with Star Wars all over again.
5: Yeah, it worked for me. I'm more excited about uh, Do or Do Not, There Is No Try than I was before our conversation. So what a nice full circle journey for me.
4: <laughs> full circle journey. And our journey is at an end today. Uh, thank you so much to uh, all those folks that uh, have asked uh, questions. And if you have a question, a thought starter, a long, juicy essay, that's what we enjoy. Uh, go reach out on Twitter at 4 Center Pod. Use the hashtag 4 Center. Like our Facebook page, Four Center Podcast. We are on Instagram, YouTube. Podcasts available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search. If it's not there, let us know. We'll try to get on your uh, podcast spot of choice. T- uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us at patreon.com slash Center. Always enjoy new patrons uh, to help us make plans. No, new stuff coming soon. And we have our own stuff. You can follow us uh, at our uh, on on online uh, for me at Ken Knapsack or we'll go to my website, Ken Knapsack, where I do have a charity spotlight tab. And we've been spotlighting our own uh, charities and things we're interested here uh, at the end of the show on Four Center. And uh, you can check out Stronghold Freedom Foundation at strongholdfreedomfoundation.org. Uh, this is uh, suggested by. Uh, listener Chad Benenfield, we talked about a little bit last week, He had some personal experiences being deployed in Uzbekistan uh, during Operation Enduring Freedom. And uh, they are trying to raise awareness uh, of uh, stuff going that went down there with chemical weapons and toxins and uh, the effects our veterans uh, who were there are feeling. So go to StrongholdFreedomFoundation.org for more information. And Joseph, you got your own uh, charity spotlight and uh, places for them to follow you.
5: That is right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, comedy albums, uh, my podcast, Obsessed. And the thing that I want to plug this week is this coming Saturday, August 22nd, uh, I'm doing an online variety show called Nerds and Music. I will be saying some Star Wars jokes, and this is a great big benefit being put on by my friends, uh, the DoubleClicks, a great musical duo, And it is going to benefit Mutual Aid, Disaster Relief, and the MacArthur Project, which is uh, seeking to bring food and clothes and medicine to homeless people in Los Angeles. And if you want to get tickets to that, uh, you can go to thedoubleclicks.com. And it's right there on the front page, Nerds and Music, Saturday, August 22nd.
4: Love it. Are you ever going to get on the drums there, Joseph? Nerd and (laughs) Music? Drumming? No
5: Man, I would love to. I would love to. I I really got to look into that if I should uh, take up the remaining space in my apartment that is not filled with Star Wars action figures with loud drums to torture my neighbors. Get
4: back to it. Great stuff. Uh, Thank you all for listening
5: today on The News and Cues. We
4: will be looking at the Poe Dameron novel Freefall, uh, the Clone Wars episode Ambush, and a special Star Wars ranked, a continuation of our look at Star Wars figures. All that and more this week on Force Center we'll see you then my friends bye